0: went to a conference on discipleship, started Friday night and went through yesterday and um, was really looking forward to a night in a hotel room by myself. (laughs) Parents especially understand that. Well, I got to the hotel, cold night, exterior corridors. Now, this was a two-diamond hotel. Let me say that I recommend at least a a two-and-a-half-diamond hotel. But this one exterior corridor As I come to the door and I um, insert the car and open the door and I flip on the light switch and nothing happens. Well, I don't watch horror movies because I saw Silence of the Lambs and so now I can imagine them in my head. So I'm standing there at the door Quietly drop a couple of my bags. I can sort of see the lamp that's close to the window because it's 9 o'clock at night. And I'm feeling on the lamp for a switch. And what do I feel but the filaments of a broken light bulb? Okay, so, now I didn't shock myself. This surprised me once I thought about it later. But, okay, silence of the lambs. So I, I, the door had already closed behind me because I, you know, wasn't sure what was outside either. But I, you know, I dropped everything, and so I just stood there. And I attuned my ears to the darkness and let my eyes as well get used to it. And then eventually I could see enough so that I could walk over to the lamp on the dresser and it had a switch that I could actually turn on, and it worked. And I felt such stupid relief to see that empty hotel room. And, you know, our, sometimes our fears are irrational. But they're fears all the same. They're within us, and sometimes we can't do a thing about it. But that fear was completely eradicated by the flip of that switch. Light calms our fears. Light helps us to understand a situation. Light gives us vision and courage. But on the other side, light can also provoke fear. Because light can expose things that perhaps we didn't want to see. Secrets, perhaps? Shadows? When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, was aglow, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses didn't realize it when he came down from Sinai, but his face was shining because he had spent time in the holy presence of God. You know, we talk about how brides glow and mothers-to-be have that maternal glow about them. It's the light of a presence, the presence of love, perhaps, for the bride the presence of life for a mother to be Moses glowed from the presence of God and centuries later on another mountain he makes an appearance with Jesus who also appears to be glowing now the transfiguration of Jesus is a revelation to Peter James and John a revelation confirming what Jesus has said to them and what God told them at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son. And here, listen to him. Listen to him. Images of light course through the whole Bible. Not just our stories today, but the first thing God creates is light. Light. As Moses and the former Egyptian slaves make their way through the wilderness, a pillar of what guides them? A pillar of fire guides them on their nighttime paths. In Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's the old some of the Old Testament ones. In the Christian Testament, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. And then he also says, you are. Are the light of the world? Whoever follows me, he says, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And he gives us some images as well. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You see it from all directions. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. best I could do. Flashlight. Say you're in a dark room. You've got a flashlight. You don't cover it up. You leave it open so you can see. They put it on on its stand and it gives light to the whole house. So from Genesis all the way to Revelation where in chapter 22 it says there will be no more night. They will need no light or lamp. For Son, for the Lord God will be their light. Now we can relegate these stories to the past, making them just more pleasant tales of glory from the Bible, but we know better. Did God's glory stop on the Mount of Transfiguration? No. No. In case you don't know the answer to that question, the answer is no. (laughs) No, it didn't. God's glory still is present today. We just rarely think about it. Glory is one of these um, nebulous words that we don't really know even how to define. It's just maybe a sense of light or um, transcendence that we can't scientifically understand. But maybe you know someone who glows. Maybe you know someone who has kind of an aura of light about them. And because they have that, you know they spend time with God. Can you think of somebody like that? People who are deeply passionate about God, I think, have, have that light about them. I think that's one thing that we can work on as a congregation is being light. Some of you have described Calvary on our hill as being a beacon. We want to be a beacon to our community, to our city, to our valley. We've got we've got the challenge ahead to to experience God, to spend time in God's presence so that people when they see Calvary Church, which is you, it's not this building, then they know that we spend time in the presence of God. We have a light that they want. After the christening of his baby brother in church, young Jason sobbed all the way back home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times what was wrong, and finally the boy replied, that preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, and I wanted to stay with you guys. <laughs> I want people to see Calvary as a Christian home. And I think you do too. I was talking with one of my colleagues in ministry and I was surprised and really kind of disappointed to hear him say that his preaching professor taught them that when, when they're preaching, they should sit like this. I'll do it on the other side so y'all can see too. Now, what, what kind of image does that give you? I'm getting ready to stand up. What'd you say? Yeah, it's, I'm ready to move. Now, to me, that's a little dramatic. You know, it seems kind of fake. But I also read this other story about another um, guy who was talking to a preaching class. And he was um, talking about the importance of making your facial expressions match what you were saying. Okay? Now, to me, that sounds more like an acting class than a preaching class. But anyway, so Dr. Tom Walters was this teacher. And um, he said, when you speak of heaven, let your face light up and be irradiated with a heavenly gleam. Let your eyes shine with reflected glory. And when you speak of hell, he continued staring intently at his audience, turning his head from side to side in order to make eye contact with each one? Well, then, your everyday face will do. <laughs> what does your face reflect? Does it reflect in at least just a little bit the glory of God? Can it can it? Do you ever play with buttercups? Little yellow flowers? We haven't seen them yet, but we will, by golly. It will be spring one day. Look, and you can hold them under the chin. Did you do this when you were a kid? What does it mean? You, you see butter? You like butter? Yeah, it, it looks like Butter. On your chin because the sunlight reflects down onto the little yellow flower and it reflects up on your chin. So obviously everybody likes butter because it always reflects. But we think about the reflection then of God. Light is reflected and God's light can can go through us, be reflected from us as well. Greg Asimakopoulos is an author and speaker and. He told a story about an artist, and I think his name is pronounced Ramon Piguaje. He's from Ecuador and was born and raised in the rainforest there. Well, a few years ago, he won the Windsor and Newton Millennium Art Competition. He had this painting that he had done called Eternal Amazon, selected from over 22,000 entries by professionals and amateur artists from all over, the, all over the world. And his painting was on display in the United Nations. Well, this man started drawing as a teenager, but he wasn't introduced to oil painting until 1993. But as, as a teenager, he was encouraged in his drawing skills by an American couple uh, named Orville and Mary Johnson. They were with Wycliffe Bible translators working in his village to translate the Bible from um, Sequoia Indian, or from, I guess, the Greek into Sequoia Indian so that that people can have the New Testament in their language. The Johnsons recognized a God-given artistic ability in this young man. And so they encouraged him to keep drawing. Ramon, now, after having met the Prince of Wales and many other leaders and dignitaries and ambassadors and artists and members of the press, he's quick to give the Lord credit for the acclaim he's received. He says, I can't take pride of the gift that I have as an artist, for it is God that has given me this talent, and I want to use it for his glory. Reflecting God's glory. God's light and glory were given to this Couple shined forth onto Ramon, who created a painting that was seen by thousands and thousands of people and inspired thousands and thousands of people around the world. See what power you have? Some friends gave us a crystal to hang in an East Facing window. And so in the mornings, if, if you all have seen something like this, you, um, you know that it will shine prisms around the room. Now, this light doesn't do much for it. It's just a, you know, plain old flashlight. But I, I checked it out in a dark room, and even then, you get a little bit of color reflected all around and I think this can be kind of a, um, an image for us, for what we can do with the light of God. It won't be perfect, but it doesn't need to be perfect. If we can just reflect a little bit of God's glory to one person and another person and another person, then that glory will shine and spread around the world. Let us pray. Holy One, God of glory and light, help us to follow in the steps of Moses and, more importantly, of Jesus. Help us to take in your light and send it out in the name of our holy Lord Jesus. Amen.